before we get into the message tonight, I hope to be this evening recording at least the first one, perhaps first couple of a series we're going to be doing in the podcast. I think that you're going to enjoy. The general name I'm giving it is called Side Notes. Further explanation of it or thoughts from a pastor's daily reading. If you were to see my Bible, you would see it's annotated. In other words, notes put all over it. Throughout all the text, I purposely use a wide margin Bible. And uh, through there, there are all sorts of notes. Some of these show up in uh, sermons and other things, but some are just my private reading and things the Lord shows me that are helpful. And a wide variety of subjects on those. And I was looking at those and looking back on some of those in my morning studies and uh, thought, well, that some of those make a two to five minute little podcast, quick thoughts, things that would be helpful to you. And so I'm going to be putting the series together. As I said, I'm uh, recording playing at least one tonight that I'll publish in the morning it should at seven and then uh, going out from there. And my goal is to have at least two a week going out for a while. And I uh, hope you'll pray for me and with me about this. I have things that I'm wanting to do as the pastor and the teaching and even doing more in the teaching and in the Word. And you pray for me with that. It takes, it takes time. It takes extra energy to do that. Preparation times much. Uh, now this type of thing won't be as, as labor intensive. But for instance, when I did the series on Esther, which many of you enjoyed with the podcast and such, uh, for every eight-minute podcast, which they were averaging, it was six to eight minutes they went, uh, preparation time and, uh, and making it and then publishing it, uh, each of those eight-minute segments averaged 40 to 45 minutes at least of, of time in, not counting prior study. And so there's, there's time involved with what you're doing, and I hope you'll pray with me about that and also pray for wisdom as we keep going forward as a church as I'm seeking God to put His hand on different people for different uh, uh, levels of service and things in the church uh, so that I can give myself more and more to the ministry of the Word and teaching and training of people with that. And this is a, this is a direction of things. And so anyway, I look for that on a podcast near you at lbclancaster.com. Did I get it right? Yeah. All right. I know where I am now. All right. We're Mark chapter 14. And uh, I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of a memorial of worship. A memorial of worship. We'll read through the passage here. And then come back and just point out some things for you that would be helpful from the Word of God. But look in uh, chapter 14 of Mark in verse 1. It says, After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him, of course the him there being Christ, they might take him by craft and put him to death. You want to do an interesting study in your Bible, get you a concordance or some type of Bible program, look up where the word craft shows up in the Bible, and it'll teach you some things you need to know, some things to keep your eyes open for. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. 
And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? I would invite you, if you mark in your Bible, to check or make a mark on that word waste, what they considered it. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, basically a year's worth of wages, and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforetime, aforehand, excuse me, to anoint me and my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And that's true tonight here. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. Isn't it amazing? Judas the thief, even in betraying Christ, sought a convenient way to do it. Even in his betrayal, he wanted to do it when it would cost him the least effort. And that's characteristic of people who are thieves and such like. And so, uh, tonight I want to talk to you about this thing, a memorial of worship. And uh, Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, she's going to be mentioned. This is going to be remembered. And we're doing that here tonight, over 2,000 years later. And uh, I want us to think about a few things out of this and this uh, event that happened here. Let's pray together, all right? Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for good singing. And uh, thank you for the songs, what they mean. Thank you there will be songs in heaven about you. We'll sing a new song. And uh, thank God for it. I pray you'll bless tonight. Help me to preach your word clearly, giving emphasis where you most want it uh, emphasized. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting thing, and look down through there, some of the things going on here. If you can imagine, <clears throat> Jesus is at this place, and they're having a meal. And a lady comes in, and she has this box made of alabaster. And I'll mention more about that in a moment. And she breaks the box. That box is a sealed thing. And in it is an extremely expensive ointment. And uh, she takes the contents of that ointment and pours it over Christ. It is, this will make it very understandable as you think about it, basically that spikenard, that pure form of it, is like an essential oil. A lot of you all deal with essential oils and all that sort of stuff. Um, I know synthetic OW20 is essential oil for my Subaru. But, it's a, but you see me all deal with these essential oils and uh, aromatherapy. It would have nothing, I, I do not have much of a sense of smell, so I'm lost on that one. But, it's, uh, uh, but you know the thing with the essential oils and the spike nerd is a very expensive, I'll, I'll give you some actual numbers uh, on this thing uh, of what it's worth if you actually get it in a non-diluted form or basically non-diluted in the whole organic form. And uh, she comes in and she breaks this and she pours it on Christ. And there's some nearby, they see that box, they can recognize it as being carved from alabaster, which is a mineral. And they see it and uh, they know that's valuable. They smell the spikenard. The spikenard has a, a particular fragrance which is supposed to be very, uh, very easily identifiable for those who 
who are familiar with such things. And uh, they would have smelled that and had some idea. A lot of money just happened right there. A lot of money just happened. It was poured on Christ. And some of them got upset. Said, why are you doing this? What are you doing just pouring this on Him? It's 300 pennies. They're saying that's a year's worth of money. And we could have taken that and done something better than just pour it on somebody. And poor people all around us and all this going on. Of course, Judas was upset about it, but we know why he was. We don't even have to guess about anything about motive. The Bible says he got upset about things because he was a thief and he held the bag. He was the treasurer of the group and he was a thief. He was skimming. And, uh, and so that upset him. By the way, that was the final thing where he drove him. He went in and, and he betrayed Christ at that point. There are several things uh, came out of this towards my thoughts and, and that I thought you'd benefit from. And I want to show you some of these things with it. First of all, I want you to see in verse 2. Look at it, please. Notice that they were wanting to put him to death. The Jewish rulers were. They were wanting to kill Jesus. And they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. Real simple thought on that. There was no thought towards right or wrong. There was no thought towards righteousness. The only thing they were worried about was the potential political uh, out, outfall or, 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 or fallout, rather, outfall, fallout from this. <laughs> Give you an upheads here. Yeah, fallout from this. It's, uh, uh, that's all they were concerned about. It was political expediency. That was it. And uh, so there, you have this group of people, have a very wicked heart, and yet they behave certain ways not because they believe those things. Catch what I'm telling you right now. There's many a person, and you'll see it, the longer you serve the Lord, the more you'll have seen of it over the years. There's many a person, they're a uh, religious and spiritual chameleon. They will adapt to whatever surface they're around. There's some people seem to be stalwart Christians, but what they are is they're people who are hoping that the church will raise their kids for them so their kids don't raise, give them trouble. Because if their kids don't turn out right or things don't stay right with their kids, they bail. And it's not the church's job to raise anybody's kids. It's our job to preach the Word of God, love the fire out of the youngins, and help you parents do what you seek to do, which is wanting them to have what's right, what's best in their lives, and try to be a help to you in that. But I guarantee you this, putting your child in a good Bible-believing church is no guarantee of them following the Lord. But it sure does give them a good opportunity, doesn't it? But each of us, myself, you say, well, you're the pastor. You know that could change in a moment's time. That certainly sucked the air out of the room. You say, you, what are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is, it wouldn't take much of incapacitation where I couldn't be. You may be silly enough to think that your pastor's invulnerable. I'm not. I need God every day. One thing I don't ever want to do is quit being hungry for the Lord. 
we had a little bit of a discussion, not exactly about this, but kind of touches on the edge of it. Today at lunch with my sister and my niece, talking about the difference between a job and a calling, and that's by no means puts a, puts a lesser value on the work that anybody does, but my sister said, well, she said, well, really what you do is what you are. It's just you. It's what you do. So that's exactly right. But listen to me. It's, uh, I've got to have the Lord. How fast, how fast do you think a preacher who is the under shepherd leading the flock, how fast do you think he can be taken out of action if he doesn't stay close to the Lord? Not a place to be if you're walking in the flesh. And there's been times I've been walking in the flesh. Does that startle any of you? I've not been startled when you did. Now, some places can't stand that kind of plain talk, but let's. I, I'm really fascinated by a thought. What if we use our Bible belief? actually believe in the Bible to come alongside people and help them to be the best they can for God and for their, for their lives that God has for them. What if we used everything we have and everything we can learn to help people go forward? How much do you think God will bless that? I think he'd like that, don't you? Because he, he gives us what we are and who we are so we can do these things. And so I'm saying with this is the fact that... Uh, um, there are people who are going to come along at times and they just fit in. You say, well, they're solid. Maybe. Find somebody who knows what they're like in their unguarded times and when they're away from this property and this group and see how they behave in their private lives. Find out what they're involved in in their social life, whether it be on social medias or interconnection with people. And then you'll find out what they are. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> these folks, boy, they gave, a, they gave her a good religious impression. And they were doing all right. But they were in their hearts, they were murderers looking for opportunity to betray Christ. Isn't that so? May God always deliver us from that. And by the way, uh, some of these people and, and some who did not fit that category did not understand this thing of true worship when it happened in front of them. When somebody counted Jesus to be so valuable that they would make a large sacrifice for Him. When, when someone said, I'll give my all for the Gospel. And others regarded it as a waste. We have to be careful of such judgments in our minds. Verse 3, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Now, I looked up some prices today. There was a time I preached, not this message, but I preached and mentioned this alabaster box. And I think, Brother Dan, you made me a box at that time so I could illustrate. It was about the right size for this. And... Um, I didn't bring that box in and didn't, wasn't going to show again that. But the box, uh, I call or I didn't call, but I checked and I was seeing what can you buy an alabaster box for today? Well, I guarantee you what, 
you don't buy them for a price where I'm going to buy one to use as an illustration. <laughs> uh, I promise you. <laughs> and uh, today I looked one up. And it was an alabaster box, four and a half inches high. So kind of think of these dimensions. 15 and a half inches long and about four and three quarters inches wide or deep. Okay, similar to the proportion of what you built. That box today, you could get it on sale, you delivered to your house free of charge, literally, and uh, $495 for that box. She broke it open. I don't want a $500 container you have to break to get into. But why, why did, was a container like that? Because what was inside was so valuable. What was inside was something that you might use as a dowry, that you might be a part of an inheritance. Now, there are a lot of things when you come under the uh, title of Spikeford. You can get stuff that's obviously cheap imitation stuff. The one, it was hilarious, it said Spike Nerd uh, 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 for ladies. It was a, what do you call it cologne for ladies? What do you call it? Perfume. I knew it was that, perfume. And uh, it had this real stuff from Israel. It was this really, really low price. But I was suspicious because the item next to it for sale by the same company, <laughs> the next perfume was Elvis forever yours. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up. And it was in a bottle that came out and was a little golden microphone. So I'm thinking, yeah, we're probably not in the high rent district right now. <laughs> and uh, I looked at that and I thought, oh, okay, let me actually go on some legitimate sites and find out what it counts. Because the spike nerd, there's spike nerd that's made in, in the Americas, in North America, and it's not the same thing as the spikenard that would have been used in Israel, which comes from the Himalayan region and is brought in, and it was under tremendous price for it to be brought in back at this time. And uh, it's, uh, sometimes it's just called nard or pure nard, but spikenard it's also known as. But today, this was also on sale. This was 30% off. If you want to get organic spikenard, and now we're talking about you getting into the real stuff, which is an essential oil. Right now, on sale today, they have 16 ounces, one pound, for $2,986. I did see prices on three sites that went over 11000 according to the concentration and such. The number that's given here in the scripture to 300 pence for more than 300 pence, basically a pence is a day's wages. It's talking about a year's worth of wages. Notice the terminology that's used in verse 3. It says an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Does this give us a little better understanding why there's a reaction of the crowd? <laughs> Interesting thing about spikenard. Its fragrance and its presence meant when people smelled that, they, they knew the very best had been offered. That's what was distinctive about it. It said the very best had just been offered. And it has a pervading 
aroma to it that, that will fill the room, fill the area. In the language talking about it in the Song of Solomon, if you read the language talking about it, it, will, it indicates that, that it would be not overpowering in the sense of something, oh, too much of a smell, but it would be so pervasive that it would, I, I, I can't find the right word. Word dominate gives you too much of a mental picture of something that's too strong of a smell. But it would, it would, uh, it would uh, go throughout a room, no matter what other fragrance may be there, you would know the spike nerd was there. And it would, it would fill, it would infuse that room with that aroma. And uh, when you smelled that, you knew the very best had been given. Well, this memorial spoken of for this woman is a memorial of worship. It's a memorial of worthiness. Worship is worthiness. Worship is indicating a worth is given to something. That's why so often in the Bible, when you do a study of the word worship, you're going to find offerings with worship. You're going to find some kind of sacrifice with worship. Because worship is it costs something. Whether our time or our energy, our love, our finances, whatever, we say God is worthy. We often, those of us a little older would joke in this way. The younger ones, it's not really a point of reference anymore. Um, somebody get an engagement ring or something and it was a very stale, overused joke about how long did it take you to find the right Cracker Jack box that had that in it. You know, young people didn't have anything, but that used to be the big thing. The Cracker Jack had the, had the toy in it, right? And so by that saying, my goodness, you know, did you get this? You know, where did you get this ring? And that sort of thing. <clears throat> it's sort of like getting your original from Israel perfume next to your Elvis forever, your cologne. Um, <clears throat> And worship says, I'm giving you the best. The best, I think, isn't that what Jesus meant by love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and all thy strength? Of course it is. And what happens there, the spikener was given and she took it. When she broke that out, it, it permeated the room. And another interesting thought, this happened very close time-wise to the crucifixion. Because of the nature of spikenard, and it actually being as an essential oil, if it was put on clothing or on the skin, it had a strong, strong staying power. One of the marks of a good cologne or a good perfume, and the way that they're made, is the fact that they have a staying power to them. They don't just, they're not just there and gone. The, when there's a mix of a good fragrance that has staying power without it being overpowering, it's a mark of a better made product. And even today, you can get things that are massively expensive because of the way they're made. And it's entirely within the realm of reason, based on what this stuff was like, that that fragrance may still have been on Christ when He was crucified. A little statement I read on it, I thought it was interesting. Someone was referring to that fact because I was reading on the essential and how it happened and permeate and all the things about it. And they said they wondered if Christ could smell that and it was a reminder to him why he was doing what he was doing because of the worship of those who came to him. Interesting, huh? And so this was there and... They went in, but look in verse 4, we have this worship and you have this incredible thing in verse 3, but in verse 4, there were some, thank God not all, 
not everybody standing by. Not everybody who was in that room, but there were some that had indignation. And that's something they're just, oh, they were oh, so upset within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? <clears throat> then they do something interesting. They say, you know, we could have sold that. We could have taken care of so many poor people. There are three different thoughts on that. The murmurs valued philanthropy, the love of man and doing good deeds for man, above worship. A lot of the source of people who get indignant at people who worship the Lord and give their lives entirely for Him and consider it to be a waste is because they value what is done for man more than what's done for God. Direct acts of worship towards God are not understood by people who don't directly worship God. I mean, somebody, if they have spare time or whatever, they give that to God. You really think they're going to understand the mindset of somebody who things of this earth are nice if you have them, wonderful, thank God for them, but they don't really matter. What matters is what you do for God. Those two mindsets are not... Uh, easily brought into compatibility at all and they won't come into compatibility as long as they each remain in their, their place. But what happened was they, they said, they said uh, my, why is this waste? You did this for Jesus, that's waste. Kind of funny, you know? I've been amused by something that's kind of hillbilly philosophy. And somebody who's all my ancestors from Eastern Kentucky, I'm at liberty to use this terminology, People say, and I understand part of it's been caused by preachers, by the way they conduct themselves and what they do and such. So I, I, I understand that. But people who say, is all you do preach and pastor or do you have a real job? Too? You get that. Alright, I understand part of that just people don't know exactly what goes on. Part of it's what's going on because apparently there's a lot of people who don't take it as a real job. Well, I think that any right and honest and honorable profession can be an act of worship to the Lord. So it would be a, working as a mechanic on a car or working as a doctor, working on people, whatever. If it's right, honorable, and decent, it would be an act of worship to God. So that's where I stand on that. You all know that. That's where I've always been. But please pray, pray tell me what service or thing that's done to and among men is a higher and more valuable calling than preaching the Word of God and teaching people how to go towards God. If there's a higher calling, if there's a more noble pursuit of life, I don't know what it might be. I believe that each, each person, if they're doing what they should be doing and what they've been made to be doing, and that evidences itself if you pay attention to it, then I believe they're pursuing the highest calling for their life. My only point in this is that why is, why is selling a product or manufacturing a product considered of more value than teaching people how and what and how to follow their God and how to worship the Lord and leading God's people? Now, you see, it's a value thing, isn't it? And people say it's a waste. 
a young person gets called into the ministry and they're, they say, I'm going to take my life to serve the Lord full time. There are people who say, it's a waste. They could have done so well in business. They could have done so well at this. Why would God's people think it would be a waste to have a life spent for the Lord? That's, that kind of thinking doesn't come from Bible knowledge. And so they, they were upset. Then there's a second thing, or third thing actually that I saw with this. <laughs> it's interesting to me. I wrote it down this way. Why did they think it was the right? By the way, this, let's, let's let this apply to all of us in this room. In every area that we come from with this, whether it be for me as a preacher, you as a Christian person looking at things. These folks who are saying, why did she do this? Why did she use us this way? I, I, I wrote down this question. Why did they think it was their right to sit in judgment of what she did with her possession? And I'll accept conviction of that just like the amen of that. <laughs> Their societal views made them feel entitled to weigh in on other people's use of their own property. We never see that happen. We can be as bad about it as any other groups. Let's not, let's not let our noses nudge up too far. Certainly, at any given time, someone will have an opinion about, you know, well, that's not a good use of that. But to weigh in on it, get upset and have indignation, how dare they use that for that? It's not yours. It's none of your business. That's so funny. We expect that to come our direction, but do we, do we give that same grace is what the question is. It's a good day when we recognize the fact that every person answers to God. I have a God-given authority within this congregation. It's scripturally given. And yet, I supremely recognize and respect the fact I'm to teach truth. I'm to put it clearly out there. I'm to lead in the way things go. But your life is yours to live and you stand before God for your life, not me. My job is to equip you from the Word of God. Your job is to follow God. And that's yours to do. It's not mine to do for you. And I'm not saying I don't want the responsibility of it. I don't have the right to do it for you. When we understand that, when we realize there's a living God who is the judge, when we understand the Holy Spirit actually indwells believers, then truth is the best and the most powerful thing that there is in order to help someone go the right direction. So let's be clear about truth. Complain about truth. Let's love truth. Let's love the living of truth. Let's love the learning of truth. And uh, I believe it can change us day by day and make us, make us maybe worth something towards the Lord as far as usefulness, huh? And so let's go down here and look also what happened here. So here you have them getting all upset about this. And look at Jesus, what he does in verse 6. Jesus says, and you talk about strong, he just, they're murmuring. And he says, and I don't think he said, oh, please. He said, let her alone. The tone of that is, yeah. If you don't understand, yeah, you need to be taught, yeah. Let 
her alone. He told them, back off. They were murmuring against her. He says, you leave her alone. I find that God's very protective of those who worship. You find somebody who actually worships the Lord and wants to serve the Lord, even if you think they're tangled in certain areas, doesn't mean you have to jump in the tangle with them, but you best be careful and leave them alone. God just likes to see some people worshiping Him. And worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. Let them, let them love on the Lord. And He said, why are you doing that? Then look at the verse 6 again. He said, she has wrought a good work on me. They are supposed to be followers of Christ and His disciples, and some of them are complaining about something good happening to their Master. And He said, why are you upset at her? She did something good for me. She did something good for me. And then he goes further with it. Look, and, and, and take your time to think about what verse 7 says. Remember their thing they were, they were murmuring about in verse 5. It says it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. So here they are. Hey, 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 watch this waste. Indignation, that's what it's about, you know, puffed up. Watch this waste. We could have taken that and done so much more with it and, and done that. <laughs> and look at what Jesus says in verse 7. He says, you have the poor with you always and whensoever you will, you may do them good. And you see how strong of a rebuke that just was? Some of these people, well, we can take care of the poor. And he goes, you know, you can take care of them whenever you want to. The strong statement in that is, are you? What are you doing? What are you doing now? Had they even taken the opportunities they had to do good? To those they're so concerned about? I'm just concerned. What have you done about it? What are you doing with it? There's an illustration that tempts me there, but I think I ought to forbear on it. And so he says... Uh, they're there. 300 pence. You realize, oh, we could have sold, we could have sold her stuff and done good for people who had need so we'd feel better about ourselves. Wait a minute, that sounds like a familiar political thing. We'll take someone else's money, do something socially for someone else, and pat ourselves on the back for being so wonderful. Hmm, never heard that before. I, uh, yeah. Um, so Jesus says you can do good for him anytime you will <laughs> well I think we ought to just you name it good thing wonderful and when are you starting on it well, I think somebody here just needs to step out. Good, when you step in. Oh, you mean the person who's already doing 12 different jobs ought to do something else? Hmm. There's a ring of truth in all that, isn't there? And then I love verse 8. She had done what she could. Those standing around did not understand this, and I know that's the complete evidence of the Bible is that they didn't understand because even at the resurrection they weren't understanding things yet. 
I know he had mentioned about his death and burial and such, but that it just was not understood yet. She said, she hath done what she could. She hath come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. His body will be put in that grave, taken from that cross, bloody cross, put in the grave without the preparation and such. And Jesus said, whether you know it or not, what she's doing right now is preparing for what's coming. And you remember Mary Magdalene and them were showing up on the first day they could to uh, anoint the body. <laughs> but it was too late because the body wasn't there anymore. <laughs> they needed to anoint it for burial and resurrect it. And uh, he said, she's doing something for me. And it did it for him. We often don't think of that. You know, as a man, Christ was going to fall under the weight of the cross. Simon Cyrene would have to carry it. You know, as a man, he would cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <coughs> Quoting and fulfilling Psalm 22. You know, as a man, he would cry out, I thirst. All these things, she was doing something for him. He needed ministered unto. And, uh, you know, we ought to be thinking more about what we can do for our God to please Him. And then, he goes down with this, and he says that this will be spoken of as for a memorial of her. What's interesting about it, that memorial of her is actually a memorial of worship. Never was this given to puff her up. It's a memorial of her. A woman, needy, broken, coming to the Lord and giving the very best that she could give and doing the very best that she could do for Him. Being misunderstood by part of the crowd, it not being appreciated by everyone that heard, not that all didn't appreciate, but not all appreciated. And instead, her focus in that room, watch it now, her focus in that room was not on the, uh, it was not on the people murmuring. It was not on the people who must maybe agreed. Her entire focus, Brother John, everything you can see, was on Christ. That was enough. And uh, honoring Him was enough. It's a memorial of worship. I think it would be a great thing if we could live our life, and I know we can, it would be a great thing if we would choose to live our life as a memorial of worship to the Lord. Giving Him the honor to His name in our day-by-day living for Him. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, thank You for Your Word and truths in it. May our love for You be as a sacred perfume. And uh, Lord, we would love it to grow more and more valuable and count as dear those things which You count as dear. Lord, I pray that You'll bless help your people's hearts to be open to Your working on them. You led me to this passage. These people came tonight, so this was for them. I know that. Lord, may they be perceptive enough and receptive enough to take in what they need. Make it personal and live it for you, please. Amen. Let's stand together, please. For a song of invitation as we do.
So you know, bring before the Lord, namely yourself. And uh, may there be a fragrance in our loving God that is, points out the fact the best has been given. Would you come tonight if you would?